رادیو رومی Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Radio Rumi. I am Fatime Keshavarz and this is a continuation of our conversation about Divane Shams, the collection of the lyric poetry of Jalaluddin Rumi. If you remember, in the last episode, I told you that the metaphor that I use when I think about this body of over 35,000 lyric verses is the sea. I almost feel I'm standing at the edge of the sea and I can see the waves and I can see it getting stormy and I can also see that at times it calms down and almost goes to sleep. What Rumi does in this collection is composing many different, relatively short lyric poems. But in a very interesting way, this body of literature comes together. There are areas where there are similar things, kind of overlaps between images and events and tropes of the poetry, and there are things in it that are totally fresh and surprising. I also reminded you that you can in fact have your very own metaphor of what this body of literature is about. Of course, you need to read quite a bit of it or listen to it, but either ways you can do that. So before I continue talking about these beautiful lyric poems, let me give you a quick sum up of what I also said last time. Before I start telling you about um, this collection of lyric poetry, let me once again remind you that you can write to me in email. My email address is um, radiorumi at umd.edu. Again, radio Rumi at umd.edu. Today is a beautiful, bright Saturday afternoon, and I'm sitting in my room in my house in Capitol Hill, 
and there is a lot of life going on outside my window, so I'm hoping that I can give you a relatively quiet and uninterrupted discussion of Rumi's poetry. On that note, if you remember last time, we talked about how Rumi and many other mystics of his time referred to this idea of Khalre Mujaddad, or repeated creation, if you like. In other words, the belief was that the act of creation hasn't happened once and finished. It is a continued activity in our lives and in the universe around us. Everything is in the process of constantly being recreated. Now, of course, this idea is not so unusual in various uh, ways of thinking and philosophies of life. Other mystics or philosophers have talked about never stepping in the same river, meaning any time you step in, new water is flowing. In other words, everything is changing. I believe that this idea that everything is constantly being recreated um, gives Rumi's poetry a tremendous freshness, a sense of surprise, a sense of dance, a sense that things are in flux and in change. Also, the other concept that I touched on last time was Rumi's insistence on flying up high, looking upwards, not being too attached to the earth underneath. And you know, sometimes this question comes up and people ask or comment, what is wrong with the earth? Why should we leave the earth behind? Why is mysticism or the poetry of Rumi encouraging us to look upwards? This may be a good um, moment to look at this concept a little bit more closely. First, of course, on one level, the understanding of life was that there are things that happen at the body level, at the physical, earthly level, and by no means Rumi tried to deny that or downplay that or consider it bad. But, of course, the purpose was to move above it, to rise above it, if you like, and to be able to look upwards, to go upwards, and to think in terms of things that are not only related to our earthly existence. I want to add one other perspective here. I want to say that one of the reasons why Rumi and many other mystics insisted on looking upwards and moving upwards is that if you are too closely down on earth with your full focus on everything closely around you, your perspective becomes very limited. But even if you physically just go from the first floor of your house to the second floor and then look down at the same street that you have always been looking at, you now see a different perspective. In other words, you gain the bigger picture or access to a picture that is at least more inclusive than the one that focuses only on everything immediately next to you and around you. So when we talk about Rumi's emphasis on moving upwards or looking upwards, keep that in mind that a part of the significance of this move is because it gives you 
a different, a bigger perspective. And this very often happens to people who encounter the writings and the thoughts of masters such as Rumi, and there are many other ones in other traditions, not only him. And you might have, in fact, noticed that yourself, that once you start busying yourself with their perspectives, you kind of get away from the smaller, the less significant daily things. Of course, the point is not to ignore those, but to put them in, into perspectives. People have often told me that. When I read these ghazals, I begin to think in terms of the bigger picture of who I am in this universe, in this culture, in this country, in my family. And that gives me a different perspective. It kind of frees me of, well, how did my boss treat me today? Or why is my neighbor not always acting the way I, I like him or her to act? Or whatever it is that is bothering you on a personal day-to-day level. With all of that in mind, I want to um, give you another, and uh, this time fresh, example from the Divan of Shams, or the lyric poetry of Rumi, where he gives us different perspectives in his own poetic way. Now, if you're familiar with poetry, you know that poetry is often very traditional. It has its own way of saying things. There are certain words, certain expressions that are used in poetry. And Rumi is, of course, almost always breaking those. And one of the things that he does when, or one of the rules, rather, that he breaks is that he takes a single image and he gives it a very unusual role to play in his poetry. Listen to this one. Bigah shud, bigah shud, khurshid, and shud. It's late, it's late, the sun has fallen into the well. Meaning, the sun has set. Bigah shud, bigah shud, khurshid, and shud. Khizid, ay khushtawla an, shud. Arise, fortunate ones. Rise, O fortunate ones. It's time for the moon to shine. Or it's time for the moon to rise. So here, the moon is brightening the night of the travelers, of the fortunate travelers, because it sheds light on the road, and Rumi is saying, Okay, it's late, the sun has set, let's not go to sleep. Let's, in fact, rise and watch the rise of the moon. In another poem, he takes this moon and presents it to us as the beloved. To khurshidi vaya zuhre vaya mauhi nemidana. تو خورشیدی و یا زهره و یا ماهی نمیدانم و از این سرگشته مجنون چه میخواهی نمیدانم Are you the sun? Are you the Venus? Are you the moon? I'm not really sure. What do you want from this 
wondering lover. I don't know that either. Majnun is, of course, the famous lover of Arabic and Persian poetry um, with his love for Leila, the, the very famous beloved, the beautiful um, beloved of Majnun. So here we see that this moon has traveled from the sky back down um, into the day-to-day -day life of Rumi, and he is using that in order to speak to the beloved. So far, the moon is there, either up in the sky or in the household as an image representing the beloved. But then you suddenly read another poem. Manan mauham ke andar lao makaunam. Manan mauham ke andar lao makaunam. Maju birun mara dar ein jaunam. So he said, it's suddenly he's talking about the moon as he himself. He, the traveler. Manan ham ke andar makonam. I am that moon which lives in placelessness. I am that moon that lives in placelessness. Don't seek me outside or in the outer world. I am within your inner soul. Okay, who's talking? Could be Rumi himself telling us that his poetic voice comes from the very inner soul of our very own inner soul, and we shouldn't be looking for the meaning outside, elsewhere. We should look inside to see it, because this is the moon that lives in placelessness. Placelessness sounds really abstract and um, confusing, but Rumi does play with these concepts all the time. Formlessness, placelessness, nothingness, because he wants to crack open these concepts such as place and, and a thing, the time, all these concepts that seem to be taken for granted as if we really understood them well. His reaction is, no, no, we don't really know that. Let's take it apart. Let's play with them. Let's try to see them fresh. So, one reading of the poem could be that he's telling us, I am that moon that lives in the placelessness and speaks to you from your very inner soul. Or, this could be love itself. It could be God. It could be the beloved speaking to Rumi. And really, his poetic voice very often comes to us from different places. And it's kind of intentional playfulness that you're suddenly listening to him and he's talking to you as Rumi and it suddenly turns into the tree and you're now listening to this tree standing um, next to you. And that's, again, a kind of whirling, a kind of playfulness with time. And space. So, but he's using the image of the moon and in a totally fresh way. I think this is one of the deepest verses that Rumi. Has ever written. Tora Harkas 
به سوی خیش خاند تو را من جز به سوی تو نخواند Everybody else calls you towards themselves I call you only to you towards yourself In other words, again, the answer is in you The real moon is not up there in the sky, it's in placelessness, which is in the soul of your soul, within your own existence. Then he uses the same moon to describe he himself, Rumi himself, but not as a poet who's speaking to us from placelessness or on high, but as somebody who's traveling in nothingness and doesn't even have the feet to travel with. And it's really hard for us to imagine what that travel is like, but the way the moon travels up on the sky can give us a key, a clue as to what he may be talking about. Mishodam dar fanal chumah bipal int bipal yapal davan میشدم در فنا چو مه بی پا اینت بی پا پا دوان که منم Again, he's talking to the beloved. He's saying, I was traveling in nothingness, in non-existence, like the moon without feet. If you think about the moon, of course the moon doesn't have any feet. So it is journeying footless and it is journeying against the darkness of the sky. So Rumi here compares that darkness of the sky to nothingness. And he says, Mishodam dar fanal chumah bi pao int bi pao ya pao davan kemana. I was traveling in nothingness. Without feet, like the moon, here I am, your footless traveler, running. And why does he give us here the image of a runner? It's very interesting because in a couple of verses later, he hears a voice. Bang aumat chemi davi benegar darchenin zauhir nahan kemanam. So this voice came. Bang Ahmad. This voice came. Why are you running? Look. Look at this clear, apparent presence that I am. But then he uses the word Zahir Nahan, the hidden apparentness. Again, the conflict, contradiction that is often in the nature of things, in the nature of our own existence. We want something and we don't want it. We like it and we are afraid of it. All of these are parts of our existence. So even the voice, this voice from um, on high comes and says, don't run, don't run. Look, I am this hidden apparent presence. In other words, you can find me. If you find me, you will in fact see that I am not hidden at all, and there is no need to run. 
And then there are other references to the moon. We can, in fact, spend a whole episode of our Radio Rumi just talking about the moon in his poetry. But let me give you only one more. Mibi namat ke azme jafao mikonin makon. Mibi namat ke azme jafao mikonin makon. Azme etao bufor gatama mikonin makon. I see you going in the direction of being unkind to me. Don't. Makon. Don't. Azme etao bufor gatama mikonin makon. You're planning to leave me. Please, don't. On bandei ke badr shud az partow rukhat, chun maoh nawz qusse dutaw mikoni, makon. That lover of yours, that became a full moon, because of the light of your face shining upon him, because of the light of your face shining upon him, You are breaking that full moon into a fading moon. Don't. And then uses also the word qosid, the sadness, this, this moon that is no longer full, that is disappearing, that's fading away, is doing so because of sadness. So with that in mind, let me take us in a happier and more energetic, though still fairly um, calm sea of this lyric poetry. Let me also tell you that um, Rumi is actually one of the most popular writers in present-day Iran. Uh, there are so many books coming out about him that it is, in fact, hard to keep up with the Persian publications about him. One of the people who has written about Rumi amply and very beautifully is a current a Persian poet and critic, a very renowned one, known as Shafi'i Katkani. In fact, I should call him Professor Shafi'i Katkani. And the reason why I am referring to him here is because he gives us a wonderfully effective metaphor to think about Rumi's huge body of lyrical poetry. He calls the Divan Shams the whole body of the 35,000 lyric verses of Rumi, Manzumeya Shamsiya Maulana, which is Rumi's solar system. And now, the, what, what is very beautiful about this, particularly poetic and effective about it is that Manzume also refers to poetry and at the same time it refers to the constellation of the solar system. And Shams is the sun, but it's also the pen name of Rumi and the name of his master, of course. So by calling the Divan the solar system, what Shafi'i Katkani does, he reminds us that the whole solar system is kept together with the force of gravity, the force of gravity that keeps Rumi's divan together. 
is its musical magic. Listen to this one. It's calm and it's gentle, but it's also very musical. خوشی خوشی تو ولی من هزار چندانم به خواب دوش کرا دیدم نمیدانم خوشی خوشی تو ولی من هزار چندانم به خواب دوش کرا دیدم نمیدانم ز خوشدلی و ترب در جهان نمیگنجم بلیز چشم جهان همچه رو پنهانم I read the two verses back to back in Persian so you could actually get the flow of the music. What this says is that you're happy, you're very happy, but I am a thousand times happier than you. Who have I seen in my dream last night? I don't know. I am so happy that I don't fit in the world. But at the same time, I am hidden from the eyes of the world, like the soul. And listen to this one. Here, the word shadi means happiness in Persian. And the sound she, she, like sh in English, this sound in Persian gives a very happy sound, a very, a very lively sound. And listen to how Rumi plays with this, with these letter shins in one verse, as he's talking about happiness. So it gives us the music of happiness. I always run after happiness and try to grab its skirt and pull it towards me. Now, happiness is grabbing my skirt, coming after me, and is trying to attract me to itself. Another instance of becoming independent, self-sufficient, and have agency in making happiness yours. But listen to the shin again. Let me read that line. And just listen to the play of the letter shin. And he sometimes gives us the music of sadness. I mean, I've told you time and again that Rumi is really a poet of happiness. But he does also have moments of sadness. Go, go put your head down, go, go to sleep, leave me, leave me. Leave this lonely soul that wanders through the night. Rosar benih bebaulin tanha mara rahao kun terke man kharao be shab gard mubtalao kun maui mamuj souda shabtao berus tanha khahi biya bebakhshao 
خواهی برو جواب کن I am here taken over by wave after wave of thought of sad thought so da is thinking that includes imagining things worrying about things shaptal berus tanhal from night to morning i'm alone feeling this loneliness come forgive me be with me if you want if you don't just leave just go just be unkind so this is a good example to show that he is not always the same his mood is not always the same he doesn't always have the same color but in fact um does change and the sea as i said that could be stormy goes to sleep too and then there is the melody and the music of surprise hayrat or perplexity this is really a gift from the mystical traditions all across the world perplexity think about it we live in a world which is so in love with finding the answers to all the questions we have and of course that's important it's important to find answers science does that for us and we are thankful to it for doing it but at the same time the mystics give us perplexity not knowing accepting that there are things we cannot know and we do not know how to handle and that perplexity opens new doors it sends us in directions that we wouldn't otherwise try and here listen to the music of perplexity in keist in in keist in in yusuf asal nist in khizrast el yals ast in ya al behewan nist این باغ روحانیست، این یا بزم یزدانیست، این سرمه سپاهانیست، این یا نور سبحانیست، این is asking, who is this? Who is this? Is this another Joseph that has appeared here? Is this another Joseph who has appeared on our doorway? Is this Khazar the prophet? Is this the water of life? I am looking at where am I is this a spiritual garden a godly divine garden is this a festival that god has arranged for me a celebration is this a gift given to open my eyes a gift from esfahan or is this the light of the beloved that is shining upon us and then emruz masti mai pedar tawba shikasti mai pedar az qat rasti mai pedar imsal arzanist in oh my friend he actually says a pedar oh father but it it is a way of addressing your friend oh friend i'm drunk i am drunk i have broken all the vows that i had made i have ended the starvation and reached this bounty oh how free and available all these gifts are and one of the most beautiful movements in the divan is the movement itself the fact that you have to take off 
You have to turn. You have to whirl. You have to move forward. در عشق زنده باید که از مرده هیچ ناوید دانی که کی زنده آن کو ز عشق زاید. We can go on. I can give you dozens of other examples of the music of inner conflicts in our lives, of total happiness and surrender, of discontent, of contentment, of all the various stages we are in. And basically, the sea wants to pull you in. It wants you to say, I'm not going to stay on the margin. I am not going to stay on the shore. I'm going to dive in and look for pearls. And if you remember, I quoted for you an earlier saying of Rumi, when you reach the sea, don't ever be happy just with a jug of water because it can give you pearls. With the thought of Rumi's pearls, or the pearls of Rumi's words, let me end this episode and say goodbye, hoping to talk to you soon again. Till then.